Well, Salvador, we are approaching another seasonal transition and we're almost halfway through 2021. Can you believe it? Yeah. Right near my birthday, we're going to have that transition too. Yeah. Isn't that special? after your birthday, (laughs) June 20th. So whether you're in the Northern Hemisphere where we are and we're moving into summer or you're in the Southern Hemisphere going into winter, this is a very important time of transition And today we're going to go into what that means. It's a period known as the Doyo period, where we really have to focus on fortifying and supporting the earth energy in our bodies and in our lives. Welcome to the Natural Healing Podcast, the show designed to guide, inspire, and empower you to elevate your health so you can achieve your goals and dreams. We are your hosts, Dr. Satara Moafi and Salvador Cephalou, a husband and wife team of acupuncturists and owners of a Center for Natural Healing, an integrative wellness clinic based in the heart of Silicon Valley. We're here to make the ancient wisdom of healing practical and accessible for your modern lifestyle. Yeah, and for us in the North, this is uh, the hottest season of the year. So we're definitely entering the season of fire and uh, the fire element, as we know in the five element phases, uh, nourishes earth. You know, they talk about the uh, transformations that come with the elements and how uh, when Fire burns wood, it creates ash, and that ash helps to support the earth. And that's one of the things that I thought we should talk about today is because when there's too much fire, we could have some issues with our digestive system, which is really common. Yes. And here in California, we're about to go into this very fiery season. So we've been in springtime and we're going into summer, which already starts to exacerbate all those heat conditions. Because remember, living seasonally means that you're paying attention to what's happening in your surroundings and in your environment. And living with the seasons also means adjusting your lifestyle to accommodate what's happening in the changes that are happening in the environment. In the Huangdi Neijing, which is one of the foremost classical Chinese texts, it is said that the spleen, that is the soil, it governs the center. Throughout the four seasons, it tends the four depots. And the four depots are like all of the other elements, aside from the earth energy, which the spleen is contained in. In each season, it is entrusted with government for 18 days. So the doyo period is really an 18-day period of transition where we have to pay special attention to our earth energy, and especially to our digestive health, which is what the earth energy is all about. And I'm sure those of you listening already know how important your gut health is for your overall well-being. Research more and more is indicating the correlation between the brain in your head, in your mind, and the brain in your stomach, known as the second brain enteric nervous system and its relationship to your central nervous system and your ability to modulate your fight or flight mechanism 
has a lot to do with the foods you take in. So the microbiome, the colony, the bacteria in your gut, the healthier the microbiome is, the more you can actually calm your nervous system down because you're not creating this over-exacerbation of heat or inflammation that sends signals to the brain to be in that emergency or fight or flight mode. Well said. (laughs) And I, I wanted to talk a little bit more actually about the doyo period because if anybody's read anything that I've written, I've discussed it in different ways and it seems contradictory and confusing. And that's because the doyo period has been described differently in different traditions. And in the Chinese tradition, we usually say that 18 days before the actual transition of seasons. And in the Japanese tradition, especially like in macrobiotics, I believe it is that they talk about those 18 days being nine days before and nine days after the seasonal transition. And I think what's really important here is not to get caught up on what's right or wrong, is just to realize that during a seasonal transition, we need to tend to our earth. And, you know, if you look at your earth, like your garden, it becomes common sense because what is your garden like? Well, your garden likes water. It needs to be hydrated. But then if you flood your garden, it's going to choke and uh, suffocate the plants. And that's not going to create much growth. So in Chinese medicine, we say the the spleen doesn't like dampness. So we really want to avoid uh, foods at this time. They're going to be creating dampness. And if you've listened to us in the past, we especially emphasize how it's the sweets that create, that generate fluids. In fact, uh, fruits are very important foods to generate fluids and help hydrate the body. And that's why in the summer, they're so important because you know, we tend to get dehydrated easily with the heat. But because there's so much fruit accessible, people really indulge, especially you know, in our West Coast here. It's easy to, yeah. We have an abundance of, uh, of fruit that's being grown in this area. But then also uh, all year round, which is uh, un, or un, unnatural, is that we always have fruits available because we're getting it from these warmer True. climates like Mexico. So really, we have a diet that's being introduced to the body that's really kind of like a summer diet all year round. Mm-hmm. And this is not normal. And it's really, fruit really is, is really more important, those sweeter fruits in the summertime. And part of it is because uh, what Jeffrey often, our teacher, Dr. Yuen, often talks about is how because summer is a time where you're kind of packing on the calories. You're preparing for winter where you're not going to be uh, having access to, to these foods and you're going to need those extra calories to warm your body up in the colder months. And ironically, we think of summer as the time to get into those swimsuit bodies, right? But your diet, you can even notice in the summer, first of all, you're going to want to eat more variety. You're going to be more social. You're, well, especially now as the world starts to reopen and have more, as you said, exposure to different fruits and, you know, that sweetness helps you to pack on the calories much more quickly. And the other thing that we might be drawn to during the summer is a lot of cold foods and a lot of ice cream and things like that that can also create a lot of dampness in the spleen. And maybe we should talk about the function of the spleen and how it operates in the body to get a better understanding of why it's important to stay away from these foods as much as possible or just have more moderation around them. Well, we could define the spleen a little bit better in modern 
contacts because in Chinese medicine, a lot of times these organ names, they mean much more than just the organ that they're named after. Like, for example, the kidneys is a, a really good uh, example of that, where it's not just the kidneys that's associated with the kidney organ. It's really a system that includes the adrenal glands, the reproductive system. So you'd have the ovaries and the genitalia. All that is going to be associated with the kidney's chi, you could say, or the, chi, the kidney's essence. And in terms of the spleen, when you look at its functions, a big part of it is really the pancreas. So that's why right. it's, it's really would be uh, almost apt to say the spleen pancreas when mm-hmm. we talk about the spleen. And then the spleen produces chi, and that chi helps with transformation of what we eat. And chi, you could think of it as associated with the enzymes that the pancreas produces, and in particular to break down uh, carbohydrates and fats. And then, and then you can see how the pancreas is involved with blood sugar regulation. So, so the spleen is really has a, a broad a spectrum of function in terms of, uh, of digestion. And let's not forget that the spleen is also the boundary keeper inside of your body. So the spleen is what helps your blood stay in its vessels and that's why if you have weak spleen chi, you'll be prone to bruising and hemorrhaging and excessive bleeding. And if the spleen is also weak, you may have a tendency to have prolapse of your organs. And so it's very important for the spleen function to be strong and supported to prevent you know, these blood type issues as well as the digestive issues. And this is also why diet is so important because the spleen is the main organ that transforms and transports your food, but also your thoughts because the spleen has a really close connection to an element known as E, spelled Y-I, which has to do with the mind. So when you're processing information that really relies heavily on your spleen chi, which is why we say that students tend to get spleen chi deficiency because their minds are buzzing with information and they're probably not eating the healthiest foods that they can possibly get their hands on. So strengthening your spleen is going to help to strengthen your gut health. It's also going to strengthen your blood and it's going to help overall to prevent lethargy and fatigue in your day-to-day life. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just thinking how the spleen controls the function of the muscles. And so when the spleen's chi gets uh, depleted or if the spleen gets too soggy with dampness, then the muscles get soggy, they get flaccid, mm-hmm. they get uh, they lack tonus. And so keeping the spleen strong is going to keep uh, muscles firm and it's going to create a better maintenance of energy that's held within those, those muscles so a person has greater endurance going to prevent those the, the flabby muscles in the arms that happens with well, a lot of people. Well, that's a telltale sign when a person has a weakness of their spleen. And yeah. you often see it with people who have dysregulation of their blood sugar. So mm-hmm. they often are either hypoglycemic. So if they skip meals, they're getting symptoms like dizziness or headaches. They're just feeling sleepy. Or if they have a, you know, excessive blood sugar, which is, you know, like a, or like pre-diabetic or diabetic syndromes. Those are all very common today. So you can understand why the quality of your food is so important because that digestive process, that transformation and transportation, both of your food as it 
relates to your mind, right? The quality of your microbiome as it relates to going from the belly brain to the central nervous system to support clear thinking, but also in terms of the spleen's function to produce the red substance that it ascends to the heart to then eventually become blood, that needs to be very fluid and clean. So if you're having a diet that's filled with, let's say, sugar and damp producing foods, that's going to impede the quality of the red substance that the spleen ascends into the heart, making it more sticky and more lethargic. And that's going to make the blood quality thicker and less healthy. Right. This is an interesting concept where the spleen is really working together with the heart for the production of blood. And so that red substance, if it's not pure, if it's more impure, then the final production of blood is not going to be so healthy. Exactly. It all starts in the gut. And remember, earth is the center. It's the center of your body and it's the, it really is the center of health. And that's why for any disease, health-related issue that you want to deal with, Working with your gut health is essential, and therefore working with your diet is foremost in your recovery and in your regeneration of your well-being. And we've known this for thousands of years in Chinese medicine, and we're seeing this become more and more prominent in the world of Western medicine, and it's wonderful to see. And it's also, I think, a telltale sign of just how unhealthy most people's gut is. And so we're starting to see more and more emphasis being placed on knowledge and information about the gut microbiome, its relationship to how it affects your mood, your sleep, your temperament, your affect, your ability to digest. So, so many factors in your life are reliant on what happens in that source, in that center, in the earth energy of your body. Tired of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted? The shift away from these patterns is easier than you may think. Visit acenterfornaturalhealing.com forward slash thrive to get a free five-step guide to fatigue relief and be the first to know about our upcoming course that will transform your life. That's acenterfornaturalhealing.com forward slash thrive. And since we're dealing with this season of fire that we're entering now with summer, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, I wanted to touch on how pathologies of fire relate to our digestion. And it's, it's a little bit of a confusing when you talk about the stomach, so the, the earth organs or the stomach and the spleen. And it's a little bit confusing when you talk about fire in relation to the stomach because you have stomach fire, which is a, a natural, necessary aspect of the stomach's a function, and that would correlate to hydrochloric acid, you know, to, to break right. down proteins. But then you have this pathological fire, and this is very common. And so then you're looking at something that's going to be related to toxicity in the stomach. And what's creating toxicity in the stomach is very commonly found to be the H. pylori bacteria. So addressing this is really fundamental to keep the stomach fire healthy and imbalance. So there's not too much fire and there's not a lack of fire where you have like cold in the stomach. Then you don't have enough chi, you don't have enough energy to break down what you're eating. And you can have the same type of GERD, you know, you can have gastric reflux from a lack of, of stomach acid just as well as having too much. So that's a very interesting thing. It's very important before you start taking all these antacids is to uh, find out, do you really have 
you know, an excess of acid terrain going on. Or just an imbalance in that terrain. That's right. Because if you have a lack of acid and then the food is just stagnating in your stomach, you could get that reflux. One simple thing that you can do to just check is you just take a little apple cider vinegar, a tablespoon or two before you eat, 15, 20 minutes before you eat, uh, especially a higher protein meal. If you feel better when you do that, and a good chance you might need a little hydrochloric acid in your diet when you're eating, especially those higher protein meals. And you could find that actually as a supplement and you could do a little experiment with that. That's, that's not an uncommon solution for people. And it's interesting, you could take as much hydrochloric acid, you know, let's say tablets, uh, until you get a little bit of burning. And that would show you really have a, a low acidity. And I've experienced this myself. And then you take that and as you start healing, you, then you just keep reducing it. And you're just like, oh, I don't need three tablets. I can only, can only need two now, mm-hmm. or now I only need one. And now I don't really have any more symptoms. So you could kind of do a, a simple experiment like that with yourself. Now, if you do have H. pylori, you know, there's medications that can be useful. In Chinese medicine, we have herbal medicine that's quite effective as well. It's not not that difficult. And you I mentioned think. apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar, I think, has also been shown to be effective in uh, combating H. pylori. It is. And, you know, I would say that's going to be obviously not a real uh, aggressive case, right? Right. And then the other fire issue that that's more more common now, and it's because people are getting tested for this condition, is called SIBO, a small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So that's excessive uh, fire in the gut again. And so when you get uh, this uh, excessive bad bacteria accumulating in, in the small intestine and lots of symptoms that are very common. People often get diagnosed with irritable bowel, but they actually have SIBO. And there's different ways to test. One of the most common ones is a breath test, even though they say it's not the most accurate. And then you could do these uh, tests that they do, like when you have an endoscopy where they extract some fluid from the small intestine, that's a more accurate test. You could always talk to your doctor about this if you want to check for SIBO. And you really want to pay attention to your diet because you want to reduce these foods that are going to be feeding that bacteria too much. And that's why they, they often encourage the FODMAP diet for that. But that would also be a, a case where there's like too much fire in your gut. And that is a more challenging condition to treat. And some people you know, are able to quickly resolve. And then I've seen other cases where it takes you know many months to get that under control. When you have that excess of fire, the other thing that happens, we know that that too much fire will damage the chi. And so when you now you're when you're starting to have this excess of fire like that damaging this chi, then you're saying the spleen chi gets weakened. So then what happens? Well, I'll answer that question. <laughs> that boundary function that you're talking about gets weakened. Mm-hmm. And then if your boundaries start becoming weak within your gut and then you start getting all this toxicity leaking right into your bloodstream. Leaky gut syndrome, very, very common problem. And you can imagine when a person is having a lot of diarrhea or when they eat, they quickly have to evacuate and it's often just like soft stools. The spleen is clearly very weak and there's much more likely likeliness that there is a weakness of the spleen's boundaries and uh, some form of leaky gut is going on because that intestinal membrane, the barrier, is now being breached on a regular basis. And that is setting up the body for systemic inflammation. Yes. And anytime you have 
some system internally break down, it's going to reflect in your outer world. So when your boundaries are not being held in place in your body, when the spleen is not able to maintain those boundaries internally, guess what happens? You're also not going to be able to maintain your boundaries in your life. So if you're having boundary issues, if you're not able to say no, if you're a people pleaser, if you feel like all of your energy is leaking into other people's lives and you're taking on everybody's issues, the first thing to examine is the status and health of your gut. And when you're able to strengthen your gut health, you will be able to strengthen your boundaries. I'll say that one more time. If you find that you are having boundary issues in your life, examine your gut health. Work and take measures to improve your gut health and you will naturally be able to strengthen your boundaries with the even with the people that it seems most difficult to do so with. And, and that's the profound uh, wisdom that comes through Chinese medicine. You can see how working with your body starts to influence how you are operating in the world, your behavior, you know, how your relationships, you know, then you could go into, uh, you know, this whole idea of the nine palaces, how the five elements influences, you know, your career, you know, your, your ability to uh, maintain your health, your ability to accumulate wealth and all those types yeah. of different aspects, your creativity balance. And that's why the five elements is so profound as a concept, because each of the elements has an organ association. We're talking about earth energy in the spleen and stomach. And by understanding the energetics and the philosophy behind the earth energy, right? We talked about boundaries, for example, then you know which organ systems to start to focus on to balance in your life in order to enhance the philosophical aspect that's associated with that organ system. So again, if you're having boundary issues, work on the spleen and stomach and then see what, how that shifts the way that you're able to carry out the boundaries that you have in your life. Oh, I also wanted to add how in terms of, uh, of SIBO, another way that they actually check if you have SIBO is they'll just give you an antibiotic and see if you feel better. And I want to let our listeners know that Chinese medicine offers a lot in terms of herbal medicine to control this excessive bacterial overgrowth. So it's, it's very important. And, and the thing is, is that whenever you're doing something like antibiotic uh, treatment, you always have to protect the host, right? So you have to really modulate how you're doing that so you're not damaging the person because, you know, everybody's experienced taking, you know, most people I would say have experienced taking antibiotics. Some of us more than others, yes. And then they, they end up with uh, candida or they just feel blown out. And so then that's, you know, that's where the chi gets impacted. And then also if too much bacteria is being killed off, then you get this excessive overgrowth of yeast and fungus. That's this whole other damp terrain that is an offshoot of uh, excessive uh, antibiotic use. So in Chinese medicine, we're always having to be considerate of when you are, you know, killing something off and then also protecting the host from developing other conditions that could be, you know, actually also causing health problems as well. Exactly. Now, depending on which season you're transitioning into, you are going to have to make adjustments to your lifestyle based on that. We are going to do an episode about the fire element because in California, we're moving into the summer season. And for each of the seasons, as we move through them, we'll make sure to offer you insights based on 
the season that we're moving into, the particular lifestyle adjustments you can make. But the important thing for this discussion is to understand that we're focusing on the earth element. And this is the element, so the spleen and stomach being the organ systems, this is the energy that needs to be focused on during any seasonal transition. So it's said that it's an 18-day period, but really you should just pay attention for a few weeks on either end of the season to really be focused on enhancing your gut health. And during any transition in your life, you want to pay attention to this. So if you're going through a divorce, if you're moving, if you're changing jobs, any major change that's happening in your life, focus on supporting your gut health and it'll alleviate any of the suffering and struggle that you're having during that transition. So to wrap up this discussion, we're going to leave you with two key takeaways on how to support your earth energy and strengthen the spleen and stomach organ systems. Number one is don't overeat. That's no fun. Well, everything in moderation. Overeating will cause the spleen and stomach energy to stagnate, which is actually going to make you feel more lethargic and not even be able to enjoy whatever season you're going into so much. And bloated. And yucky. Yeah, exactly. Takeaway number two. Takeaway number two is that you want to avoid eating too many cold beverages and foods. Remember that cold damages the spleen and can also cause your body to accumulate a lot of dampness. Yeah, and just impairs the chi. So you just feel lethargic, feel weak, loose stools, and then get bloating there too because you don't have the chi to digest. Oh, and in terms of that first tip with the stagnation, uh, we should mention also uh, have fruit as a snack. You know, don't have your fruit right after you eat or have dessert right after you eat. Unfortunately, you know, that's a restaurant you know, habit. But really, ideally, you want to wait a while to, to have a, uh, you don't want to have all that sugar and carbohydrates right after your full meal, because then your body is going to just slow down its digestive processes. And that creates a lot of stagnation and, and uh, toxic bomb develops. Yeah, it gets distracted from digesting the food that you just ate and starts to reach for the easy sugars to digest. And that takes a lot of energy. You know, so many times I remember just having a nice meal at a restaurant and then we're like, well, let's share a little dessert. And boom, I don't feel well after that. Yeah, that's why we don't do that anymore. Not too often, especially (laughs) with COVID. But now that we are going to restaurants a little bit and keep trying to be cognizant of that, you know, that it's really, especially at home, trying to have your dessert a separate or a fruit as a snack. Eat dessert first. Just have it like an hour before your meal. That might be a good way to do things. Why not? <laughs> Don't eat dessert is the best thing to do, really. You want to Avoid just... sugar. And now we want to hear from you. Go to a centerfornaturalhealing.com forward slash summer doyo and let us know which of these takeaways you think you're going to implement first. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Natural Healing Podcast. We look forward to our next time together. Bye. Bye.